Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoyed the podcast, everybody. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. My name's Jim Burns, and it's my pleasure to be back with you as we begin to cover once again the situation of bullying and how it affects folks, how it affects children, and how it has a lifelong effect even on adults. I don't think that folks realize that bullying can be twofold. It could be a one-time event where someone is bullied and it affects them going forward, or it could be a series of events that have been imposed upon a person by a person or group of people, causing them to have negative thoughts, feelings, and their actions do not really depict who they are. They are, they're nervous, they're anxious, and they are always, they always seem to be looking over their shoulder for the next person that's going to bully them. They live in fear. They live in fear of others. They're even afraid to form friendships with others because they never know when the friendship could go south or they're not sure about the person and the person ends up starts off teasing them and the more vulnerable they become the more teasing they get when they start to share information about their life about who they are and they almost become friendless and revenge becomes one of the things that that victims uh, begin to do when they feel as if they've been bullied or they're they're just so angry because of the bullying, they begin to take out that anger on others. And usually it's family members, maybe their own children. And the further they go into adulthood, the more abusive they can become and they certainly need help. Now, the topic that I wanna talk about today is something that we all know about It's something that uh, 
is spoken about enough today in the literature and in the news and when people are involved in maybe crime, they talk about this condition and the condition is post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, PTSD, is it's a disorder that may occur in people who've experienced or witnessed traumatic events in their life. We all know that 9-11, when that hit, many people had PTSD after that event if they happened to be in Manhattan during the World Trade Center bombing. Uh, they, we know that um, uh, folks who see things or who witness things, maybe who have gone to war, maybe they were involved with a terroristic threat, maybe they were threatened with death or sexual violence or injury, all of which victims of bullying experience, they too can suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, <clears throat> it wasn't always called PTSD. Uh, after World War II, our veterans came home and many of them were uh, had drinking problems. Uh, they were inexperienced in terms of managing relationships. Uh, they were inexperienced in terms of raising children. Uh, they uh, had difficulty with uh, employment and so on. And this is one of the reasons why Alcoholics Anonymous was formed back in the 50s to help veterans who have come home with drinking problems and in AA's term, their life has become unmanageable. After World War II, words like shell-shocked or battle fatigue, these became the words that were used uh, to describe the veterans. But PTSD does not just happen to combat veterans. It occurs in all people, regardless of ethnicity, nationality, or culture, and at any age. And the statistics point to the fact that about 3.5% of U.S. adults every year and an estimate 1 in 11 people will be diagnosed with PTSD in their lifetime. And the shocking thing is women are twice as likely as men to have PTSD. Um, you know, Latinos, African Americans, and American Indians, I mean, th they seem to have a very higher, much higher rate of PTSD uh, for reasons that are, some of them are obvious, some of them may be unknown. Now, if someone has PTSD, their thoughts are affected. If you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that I believe that people have to gain control of their thoughts, their words, their actions, their attitudes, and their motives. And someone with PTSD has a very difficult time 
taking care of their disturbing thoughts. And this is well long after the event has ended. Their mind can't get off the event. The event created such fear that that what happens is they end up having the feeling like when they have to experience it again, like they're going to die. It's like being trapped on an elevator. You only have to be trapped once to grow fearful of being on that elevator. And they have flashbacks. They could have feelings of sadness or fear or anger or anxiety. And they avoid situations that could, that could um, remind them of the traumatic event. And it's very, very difficult, very difficult to identify and to manage because you walk around beginning to think, what's wrong with me? What seems to be the problem? What is it? I can tell you that I I was raised in a family where there was a lot of yelling going on. The discipline was yelling. We were always yelled at. And I became an administrator more than 30 years ago uh, in a school and I discovered that I was fearful of confrontations either with teachers or kids or even my own boss because I didn't want to be yelled at and I had to really do some digging to figure out what was bothering me and the bottom line is I discovered that I didn't want to be I had a fear of being yelled at and that fear started with my parents and mostly my mother. And it is something that stayed with me. And anytime someone started raising their voice, I got cold feet. I've shared this story before. I was bullied by a, a, a young lad in my neighborhood for years. And I happened to run into this lad's cousin whose name was Joe, and I spoke with him. And I asked him, and he he was actually a teacher. He came up to me because I was doing a presentation, and he said to me, you were bullied by so-and-so too. And the first thing I asked him was, is he here? And as soon as I heard this bully's name, and and we're talking probably at that time, maybe 40 years prior, I still felt my feet get cold. I still felt them get cold. And it's something that I'll never forget. And bullying is behavior that we don't forget. And it can and it does produce PTSD. It is something that goes on. It's something that occurs. It's something that Uh, we can't get a grip on it becomes situational it becomes episodic and we play avoidance we don't want to be involved in certain situations or with certain people because certain people in our lives or in someone's life could have caused that stress it could be a parent it could be an uncle it could be a family member it could be someone that you were around 
that traumatized you to the point that you couldn't manage. You didn't know what to, you were so frightened that you couldn't manage. It's almost as if the anxiety was so great you, you had to emotionally and at times physically run away. Now, what are some of the symptoms? Number one, intrusive thoughts. And people may suffer from flashbacks. And these things just can pop into your head. Occasionally, I'd be driving to do a presentation and I would, somehow, some way, I would begin to think about failures that I had in the profession when I should have been thinking about the successes and it took me time to shake the thought and I had to develop a way to get the thoughts out of my head and I used what I used to do is I used to recite Bible verses and I still do. Ones that help me cast those thoughts aside. Ones that help relieve me from anxiety. Those are some of the things that I used to do and I still do to help get rid of some intrusive thoughts that plague my mind. Avoidance. You avoid reminders of the traumatic events by just avoiding people, places, activities, objects, situation. At times I had to avoid certain music because it could trigger a memory. And you could try to avoid remembering or thinking about a traumatic event. And you know, the problem is it's like telling you not telling somebody not to think of a pink elephant. Like, don't think about that. Well, you know, it's not that easy. It's not that easy because the first thing that's gonna pop into your head is a pink elephant. Sometimes we alter, we alter the basic cognition of the event. You start to eliminate important aspects of the traumatic event. You know, you distort it. You distort things like the, um, like I, I can remember my mother trying to tell me what a great upbringing I had. And my comment to her was, what house were you raised in? She distorted, she herself just tried to distort what actually happened in our lives. We distort the causes, the consequence. We can blame ourselves for some of the things that people have done to us and victims of bullying do that well. They blame themselves. They have ongoing fear, anger, guilt, shame, you know, and they have difficulty casting those thoughts aside because they, in order for them to get any relief, they distorted and say, well, it was my fault anyway. You try to uh, remove symptoms. You know, you try to deal with the symptoms rather than dealing with the root cause. You know, you, be, you can behave recklessly. You can be self-destructive. There are 
myself, I'm hypervigilant. I lock doors. I do different things to make sure I feel safe. There's always the thought in a person with PTSD's head that something bad is going to happen. Something's going to happen that's going to cause me to have to relive, have me relive, relive that traumatic event. And by the way, the brain can't determine real from imagined. The brain doesn't know. So if you are constantly thinking about negative events, thinking about the past, thinking about what went wrong, feeling guilty, anxious, the brain doesn't know that it's a thought. The brain takes it as reality. The brain sees it as reality. And it is a just a, a horrible feeling because that stress then never goes away. It's not like you have to um, experience the event. Your brain is experiencing it for you. And it, so you are constantly, constantly under stress. You're constantly suffering from stress because your brain can't determine real from imagined. This is why worry is no good. If you sit and worry about something that's going to happen a month from now, you will absolutely exhaust your adrenal glands from worry. And then when the event comes, you won't have the energy to deal with it, to deal with whatever that event may be, whether it be a confrontation, whether it be something you've done for the first time, whether it be a... um, a problem that you have to solve, whether it be finances, whether it, regardless. If you think about it all the time, you're going to exhaust your adrenal glands. And before you know it, when you have to deal, when you have to really show up and do what you have to do, you're exhausted. You're exhausted and you don't have the ability to handle it. This is something that I have witnessed in the victims of bullying. This is something that I've experienced in my own life. And there were people who are close to me who also experienced it. It is not a good feeling. And there there has to be support. And there has to be an opportunity for the person to share their story. I've often said, I've often said that everyone should be able to afford the luxury of therapy, of going and talking to someone about some of these feelings and help you process the feelings so that you can put them in perspective so that you understand them correctly and your understanding of them isn't distorted by what other people may have said or what other people have done to you. Your self-esteem goes in the toilet when you allow others 
to abuse you and make you feel as if you're not worthy. Now, with that in mind, with that in mind, what I've done is I've set up another podcast. And the podcast, I'll put the link in this episode description for you to get to. The podcast is called Trauma Stories. Trauma Stories. And I'm going to start out sharing stories from my life and through my own research and viewing the news and talking to others, I will have stories from the lives of others. And what I'm asking my listeners to do, if you would like your story shared on Trauma Stories, send me an email with the story and I will respond to you and let you know when I'm going to discuss the story on the podcast. You don't need to use names if you feel comfortable with that. I want to make sure that everyone who does it is comfortable. I'll probably send you a disclaimer form that says, you grant me permission to use this story on the podcast. But I want to hear from you and I want to be able to share your story. And if you would like to come on as a guest onto Trauma Stories, you can come on as a guest and share your story verbally with my audience. I take PTSD very seriously. My father came home from the service with PTSD. My father had all of the symptoms. My father had a a drinking problem. My father had a, a host of other problems such as anxiety and depression and other things. He ran his own business, he was successful, but ultimately it killed him young. It killed him young. He was only 67 when he died. And I never understood it while I was watching it. You just began to think it was a flaw in his personality. But it wasn't a flaw in his personality. It was the war. It was probably his upbringing, which I do not know a lot about. And it became his self-imposed failures that he believed he had in terms of his marriage and raising children. Him and my mother were married for 35 years. They had three children. And disciplining those kids, meaning myself and my two sisters, was very difficult for him. That's where the raising of the voice came in. That's where the shame came in, the guilt came in, where they try to make you feel as bad as possible. It doesn't have to be an event like 9-11 for someone to develop PTSD. Abuse in the home, abuse in a marriage, physical abuse, emotional abuse, all play a big part in this condition. And I wanna give others a chance to share their stories. So in this episode description, if you're listening, I want you to put 
I want you to go to the bottom of the episode description. You'll see a link that says Trauma Stories. It'll take you right to the to that to that podcast link. Now, before you go too quick, understand I just started this podcast. Right now, the only thing that's up there is a trailer. We will have episodes coming probably within a day or two. So please take the time to listen and take a, take the time to click on that link and get to the, the new podcast, which is Trauma Stories. We're going to keep running Anti-Bullying 101. This will never stop. But I wanted to really take the time to do something for folks with PTSD and give them a chance to share on the air, live if they like, or just give it to me in writing and I will share their story with my listeners. And I may offer some insight as well. My name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. I appreciate my audience. I appreciate the fact that you've been patient with me as I haven't put a podcast up in a while. I hope you liked Beth Keeping, the last episode that we had. Take a look at that episode that, that basic, that's up there right now, um, which is called Taking Care of Yourself. And in this world, with COVID-19 and all of the other difficulties, both physically, emotionally, and mentally that we have, I think it's important that you do take care of yourself. Take advantage of the podcast. I'm going to be sharing some great information with you, and, and I really look forward to it. Once again, my name is Jim Burns. Thank you for listening to Anti-Bullying 101.